to the Wisdom Podcast. This is your host, Justin Dora. And today's topic is a continuation of what we started last week, which is law versus grace. This is part two of a potential series based on um, the differences between law and grace. And so just to recap what we discussed last time, the basic idea that we started with is there's a growing discussion in the body of Christ of law versus grace. And there are some things being said related to those teaching grace that aren't necessarily true. And the first and foremost of that is that grace teachers are giving people a license to sin because they're saying the law has been fulfilled. We're not under the law. You're under the grace of God, which is unmerited. And sin no longer governs you. And so what people are saying is, you're giving people a license to sin, you're letting them do whatever they want in the name of grace, and that's not the nature of God. And what we talked about last week is, that's not what people are saying. What they're saying is, the law has been fulfilled in Christ, but because he's, in, he's come to indwell me, now I am able to live a holy life because all of those standards are empowering me to live, move, and have my being in Him. And no longer are the standards outside of me accusing me and telling me what I can't do and what I'm I'm not, but now those standards have been written on my heart and put in in my mind, and now they're actually my identity telling me who I am. And they're not governed by pressure, they're governed by... um, power, the ability to actually do it, and it's not by the sweat of our own brow or our own effort. So that's a little bit of what we talked about last last time. What I want to hit today is start going through some of these New Testament scriptures that, in my opinion, really clearly lay it out that the old system of law and the sin nature have really been dealt with. It's not something we're still dealing with. It's not something that we're still fighting. It's something that's been put to death. But because it hasn't been in the fabric of our understanding of God, that's what we're wrestling with, is our understanding changing and exchanging lies that we believe for the truth of who God is. And let me just make this statement because it often gets said that you can't just teach one side of things. In other words... If you focus on grace, well, remember, that's got to be held in tension by truth. The problem with that perspective is that pits grace and truth against each other. It's, It's as if God is in conflict within himself, and he's not. See, grace and truth are not peanut butter and jelly. They're not two separate substances that come together in Christ. It's one seamless garment. Every aspect of The grace of God is full of truth. And every truth is empowered by grace. You can't separate the two. They are in union, forever wedded together. Therefore, if you're talking about grace, guess what is also there? Truth. If you're talking about truth, guess what is also there? Grace. And the the other thing is, truth is not awful. It's wonderful. The scripture says that the truth sets us free. And so it's so funny to hear like we need more truth as if it's a hammer on top of the head. That's not truth. Truth liberates. Truth 
helps us to grow into who we really are. So never let someone put that on you, that somehow truth is the the real mean side of God. It's not the mean side of God. It's just as joyful as grace. God is not bipolar. He's not two different people. In fact, that's what James is getting at in James 1, where it says, if anyone lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously. But if he asks, he must believe what he hears. Otherwise, he's like a double-minded man tossed to and fro by the waves of the sea. In other words, if you want to live in two minds, or I believe that would be the term schizophrenic, double-minded, two minds, bipolar, if you want to live in that, in your relationship with God, it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be enjoyable. You're going to constantly work against yourself, thinking that the old man that's dead is still who you are, and it's not. And so you're fighting it against something that doesn't move, that doesn't do anything. You just need to realize it's taken care of. Otherwise, you go between the mind of man and the mind of God, the mind of man and the mind of God, and we go crazy. And it's not, it's not the promise of, of the scriptures. And so, so that's good news. So, so I want to hit some of these New Testament scriptures. Again, I'm not sure how far we'll get today. Um, and honestly, in the whole slew of, of episodes that we do on this series... I'm really just scratching the surface. I mean, we could do in-depth studies over book after book of the Bible and see the theme of grace wedded into it. And it and it leads to holiness. It leads to fruitfulness. It leads to loving our neighbor. It leads to a sacrificed life. But it's not based in you. It's based in Christ in you. And that's a big difference. Um, so hopefully that becomes more clear as we go. Okay, I'm going to start with Romans 5. 20, and my goal is to get through Romans 6, 1 through 11 by the end of this episode. And if we have time, I'll, I'll take on Romans 7. Otherwise, we will push that to next time. So Romans 5, 20 says, The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So let's look at verse 20 again. The law was added so that the trespass or sin might increase. What's that saying? That's saying that what what the law actually does is it makes you sin more. <laughs> Which is so funny when you think about it. People that are saying, hey, we've got to have the balance of law so that we don't get into license. Actually, that will drive you into license. The very solution that you've just come up with is what will cause you to sin. And cause a bunch of people to sin. And they'll hate it. And they'll beat themselves up. And they'll talk about how miserable they are. And yet they'll keep doing it over and over and over and over again. Because that's the image that you're giving them. Is you're messed up. It's impossible. You can't do it. But you better try. And it doesn't work. And so that's the point Paul's making here. Is that the law... The law was given that trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And what what does that mean? That means the more steeped in sin someone is, the more powerful grace works. And the interesting thing is, one could logically conclude that the, the more sin, the more grace. And to a degree, that's true in this sense. 
The, the point Paul's trying to make is he's so trying to help us understand the power of grace that he's saying, guys, it's not like, you know, two equally matched opponents that sin, you know, undefeated and grace has a couple losses on its record. He's saying, in comparison, I don't care how big your sin is, grace is bigger. That's what he's getting at. He's just trying to shine a light on the nature of the unearned power of God to live a victorious life in Christ that is holy, that is righteous, that is pure, that is all of those standards, but no longer outside, now on the inside, growing, maturing, changing as we go, changing us as we go. And that's the point he's making. But he recognizes, okay, someone might hear this and think, well, shoot, if that's how it works, then I'm going to go send to my heart's content because grace is going to work all the more. That's why he writes Romans 6 and he says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? In other words, the logical conclusion of the end of chapter 5. By no means we died. Notice that's in the past tense to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were, past tense, therefore buried, past tense, with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Verse 5. If we have been, past tense, united. Now that word united, it means union which means two substances that are wedded or connected together. It means co-planted, both put in the same soil of Christ, of his death. You and Jesus were put into the same grave. United with him in his, like this in his death, we will certainly also be united in union with him and his resurrection. Verse 6 is key verse. For we know that our old self was, past tense, crucified, past tense, with him. You weren't crucified. He didn't die just, he didn't just die for you. He died as you. You were with him in some mysterious way that is unexplainable, yet absolutely true. So that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if, and that's not a, a conditional if, it's a conclusion if. In other words, if because you, are, you died with him, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And what is death? It's the wage of sin. So what is true about us? The wage of sin, death, no longer has mastery over us. You do not have to earn those wages anymore. That old nature has been dealt with. It's been taken care of. It's been removed. That's Colossians 2. The sinful nature has been circumcised away. In a circumcision, something is removed. You don't keep anything connected. It's taken away. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Jesus have, past tense, crucified the sinful nature with its desires and its lust. It's done. It's taken care of. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. He did it for you. He did it for me. He did it for the world. 
But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way. What same way? In what Jesus did. Count yourselves. Who? You. Dead to sin. But alive to God in Christ Jesus. I had this funny thought into my mind the other day. And again, I'm not trying to be cute. But let's, you know, we can laugh at ourselves. It's good to not take ourselves super seriously. um, Because then we actually get a little uh, uptight. We take ourselves too seriously and take our roles too seriously. Uh, God doesn't need anybody, but he joyfully includes uh, us in the journey because he likes He likes relationship and he likes to do it in us and through us and with us. It being extend his kingdom into the world that people might see the rule and reign of Christ and how it's a far superior way of life in Jesus. Anyway, the thought I had was um, if you really are committed to having a dual nature, both a sinner and a saint, then I guess you can have the same dual nature that Jesus had, dead to sin and alive to God. (laughs) Which really isn't a dual nature. But if you got to frame it that way, that's fine. So, okay, you have a sin nature that's absolutely dead and actually biblically has been removed. And then you have a righteousness nature, which is what's causing you to be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 14. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under law but under grace. Verse 18, I love this. You have been set free from sin. Period. the end. You have, past tense, been set free from sin. And have become, past tense, slaves to righteousness. Guys, that's who we are. That's what we've been given. That's our new nature in Christ. There's nothing to fight for. There's nothing to war for. There's nothing to overcome. There's everything in Jesus to enjoy. There's everything in Jesus to receive. There's everything in Jesus to let be activated and start working in your life. And I know some sometimes we may think, oh, that's just semantics. You, you say activate. This person says we, we add to our lives. The, but the end result is the same action. The, the challenge with that is that happens all the time. The end result looks the same, but it's the internal wiring is different. And in one, you may have results, but it leads to burnout and not enjoying life. The other, you're being renewed day by day. Your mindsets are upgrading. Your, your perspectives are upgrading. Your awareness of God's presence is upgrading. Your experiences and encounters with God are increasing, not because you're because you're doing more, but because you're trusting that he's done enough. He's done it all. Now you're living from that unseen world and the kingdom of God is expanding out of you. That's why the scripture says that he always, this is 2 Corinthians 3, he always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ. He always leads us everywhere. I'm going to actually look this up because it's really good. It's actually 2 Corinthians 2. I was wrong. Verse 14, but thanks be to God who always leads us. Always. So always means always and not, there's never an instance that you're not living in triumph. Whether you're aware of that, whether you believe that, whether you feel that, it doesn't matter. It's immaterial. You are in triumph. You are in victory all the time. In Christ. Through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. He spreads it everywhere. He spreads it everywhere. He spreads it everywhere. That's good news. That's encouraging. That's full of life. That's full of His peace. 
He's always leading us everywhere you go, every place you step. You are living in victory. You are living in triumph. And the process that we're in is realizing that that's true. Is seeing those things come into alignment in our hearts and minds with what God has already said about us, with what God has already made us to be. That kingdom seed has everything that's needed. And it's it's time where that seed matures and you begin to see the external fruit and it begins to bear fruit every month of the year. There's no more seasons in heaven. Every season is a season of fruitfulness. That's good news. Okay, I think here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap up this episode. Next week we're going to get into Romans 7. Probably next week we should finish it out. We'll hit Romans 7, 1 Corinthians 15, Hebrews 9. Well, maybe not. And Titus 2. <laughs> One to two more episodes on Law versus Grace. And honestly, guys, we could, we could exhaust this subject. It is... It is all over the New Testament. It's all over, even in the, the Old Testament prophecies, as we looked at last week, prophesying about this new covenant that God would make with himself that would include mankind because Jesus took on humanity as he came and he became the incarnation. You know, I heard someone say it this way, and I really like this. Heaven invading earth isn't just miracles. That's part of it. Heaven invading earth was the incarnation. When the, when the king of heaven came to the earth, heaven invaded earth. Earth is already fully invaded by heaven. It's just a lot of people don't believe that. So it's unbelief that shuts down things in people experiencing them. It doesn't shut God down. It just shuts us down from what God has already wired into our DNA, the, the appetites that he's put in us to desire the supernatural, to desire purity and holiness, to desire all those things, not by external pressures that make us conform, but by internal realities that perpetually keep us in joy and peace. That's who we are, guys. That's who you are. Therefore, you have permission to reject every thought that tells you otherwise. You have permission to say access denied. Who Jesus is, is who I am now. Not because of me, not because I earned or achieved, but because he accomplished it and he gave it to me as a gift. And that is life-changing. It's empowering. It leads us into greater realizations of transformation. And it's really good news. <laughs> All right. So next week we'll pick up with Romans 7 and we will see where this river rolls from here. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom Podcast. If you liked what you heard, leave us a review on iTunes so iTunes will recommend this podcast to others. Thanks everyone and take care. <laughs>